It's great to have you here. We're going to be in the book of Ephesians tonight, Ephesians chapter number one. I've enjoyed being able to open God's word with you uh, these last several months and uh, to be able to share with you on faith. And so I'm going to start another series. Uh, I don't know how many opportunities or how long this will take to get through. Okay, we could be doing this three years from now. That's okay. Uh, the book of Ephesians is another great book of the Bible. Of course, you know, my favorite book of the Bible is James. Uh, and when I first got here, I preached through the book of James, very practical uh, a book of the Bible. But then the book of Ephesians is also just a great book, chock full of truth. Uh, and uh, the, the main theme of it, I believe, is the, rich, the riches of glory in Christ Jesus that we can have, the blessings that we can have in Christ. And so for the next several messages, we're going to be going through Ephesians chapter number one uh, and just looking at those riches that we have as brothers and sisters in Christ, as children of God the riches that we have through Christ Jesus. I don't know about you, uh, wouldn't it be great if you just had that, uh, that rich uncle and you didn't have to worry about anything in life, you didn't have to go to work another day in your life, you could just go relax and I don't know, that would drive me crazy. I have to get out and do things, okay? But to be able to go and do things for fun, not because you had to, okay? Uh, it's a little bit more enjoyable when you know you know, if I don't want to go to work today, I wouldn't have to go to work today because I don't need the paycheck. Somebody's provided everything for me. Uh, how many of you have ever heard of the lady named Hetty Green? Hetty Green, has anybody ever heard that name before? Not a single person. I'm going to throw a picture up here. Well, no, you know what? The, we're going to skip these, okay? There's Hetty Green. Uh, Hetty Green, uh, she lived a long time ago, as you can tell from the picture. Uh, it is not recent. She lives... Uh, hundreds of years ago, but she was a very rich person, uh, but she is known in history books as America's greatest miser. Matter of fact, she was uh, in the Guinness Book of World Records, I'm not sure if she is anymore, uh, as the greatest miser in the world. She is rich, had riches upon riches, yet she lived like a poor person. Um, it's said that uh, she died when she, in 1916, so just over 100 years ago, uh, and she left an estate worth over $100 million dollars. That's a lot of money, especially 100 years ago. Uh, and she left that estate. Um, yet it is said that she would eat her oatmeal cold. She wouldn't heat her house because she didn't want to spend money. Now, can you imagine? She didn't want to spend money to heat her house. Uh, she had children. A matter of fact, one of her sons uh, had an issue with his leg. And she was looking and she... Now, granted, she's a millionaire, okay? She is rich. She could go anywhere she wanted and get care for her son, but she was looking for a free clinic to be able to take her son to. And because she waited so long to get her son help, he ended up having to have his leg amputated. She was a miser. She had all these riches, yet she wouldn't use it even to help her son. Um, she was a, a cantankerous person. It sounds crazy uh, to be like that. It just said, now this, you can read different places, so don't go, you can fact check me and tell me if I'm wrong. I've read a couple places uh, that she died after having an argument with someone in her house on whether you should buy skim milk or whole milk because skim milk is cheaper and she got so worked up about it she started to bleed internally and passed away. Uh, and she just was, well, she was all about saving money. She had all these riches yet she didn't use them even to save her son's leg. And it sounds crazy but don't we as Christians who have all the riches and glory in Christ Jesus yet we live uh, a unvictorious life. We live as if we don't have these things uh, and for someone who had such great assets, such as Hetty Green, uh, we as Christians have such greater assets, great countless spiritual blessings that God has given us, blessings that often go unused in our life. 
Not because we don't have, have them, not because we don't have access to them, but because we don't use them, because we don't avail ourselves of them. Uh, these blessings are wonderful. Uh, they're great, and we can live a victorious Christian life, and we can live a successful Christian life through Christ Jesus, but we have to use them. Uh, so let's go back. I'm going to try to go backwards through these slides. Uh, let's, let's look about the book a little bit, about the book of Ephesians. It was written by Paul, uh, and at this time, Paul was in prison. And that's what amazes me about the prison epistles we call them in the Bible, is here's Paul writing to encourage the church at Ephesus, and he himself is in prison. Yet he still had the ministry of encouragement, uh, and you'll see later on where he is, um, where he rebukes and he helps and he exhorts them to continue living for Christ while he himself is in Rome sitting in prison waiting for trial himself. And that just amazes me about Paul. And you look at his life and the things he went through and how God miraculously changed him. And Paul was one of my heroes I want to meet one day when we go to heaven. I don't know if they'll be, I don't, you know, my earthly imagination, they'll have meet and greets. You know, when you do like a, when you go get autographs of a famous person, they sit at a table and you can wait in line to talk to him. I'm going to be waiting in Paul's line to be able to talk to him, uh, to ask him about the missionary journeys, to ask him about uh, different things in the Bible. And I'm excited to be able to talk to him. He is a great man of faith. He wrote this while he was in prison. Uh, and that'll come, we'll bring that up later on, just how encouraging it is that if Paul, while he's sitting in prison, can write these encouraging words, how much more so with the freedom that we have living in the United States of America uh, can we serve God with? So it was written while he was in prison, uh, and it was written about the same time as Colossians, Philippians, Philemon, about 60 to 62 AD is estimated. Uh, but who did he write it to? We see that he wrote it to uh, the saints of Ephesus. Let's look at Ephesians chapter number one. The Bible says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, to the saints which are at Ephesus, and to the faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace be to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day. Thank you for the opportunity to come and open your word again. Uh, Lord, may it speak uh, to my heart and to the hearts of those here tonight. May the Holy Spirit work uh, in a way that can only be explained by the working of you. Lord, we thank you and praise you for, for the good things that you have given to us and the blessings that we have through you. May we always remember them and use them uh, as children of God. Lord, we thank you and praise you for all these things and pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. It's written to the saints of Ephesus. We see verse number one, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God to the saints, which are Ephesus. So it's written to the church of Ephesus, the saints that are there, and the faithful in Christ Jesus. Uh, you look at the church of Ephesus, they were people that were faithful. Now, were there times where Paul would write a letter and the people weren't faithful and he would call them out for it? Yes. But here he says to the faithful that are in Christ Jesus. And then it's the typical greeting that Paul writes, Grace be to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Just a typical greeting, a typical opening. Uh, but then he goes on and he says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings. Christ has blessed us with spiritual blessings. Whether you realize it or not, whether you're discouraged or not, whether you have things going wrong in your life right now or not, God has blessed us with spiritual blessings. Well, what are some of those blessings? Number one, verse number four says, according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Number one, he has chosen us. We are chosen by God. Think about that. 
We are chosen by the God, the creator of the universe has chosen us uh, to, to live for him. And, and so a lot of times we look at this and people start to get scared. Have you ever heard the term Calvinism before? These next couple words we're going to look at, uh, Calvinism is a scary doctrine and it is not in the Bible, can I tell you? Uh, it says that certain people, God for at the beginning of the earth, selected certain people to go to heaven. So let's say uh, that this side of the auditorium we're going to make you the safe side, okay? Oh, no, I put my wife on the unsafe side. I'm in trouble tonight. You guys are the safe side, okay? God has chosen this group of people over here. You will get to go to heaven. It's decided. You have no choice in the matter. You will get saved, all right, whether you like it or not. It doesn't matter. God chose you to be saved. But you guys on this side of the auditorium, you picked the wrong side tonight, Brother Gardner and Brother Gardner. This is the gardener's side. This side over here, God chose the people uh, to go to hell. Now think about it. God chose you people. How does that make you feel? How does that make you feel, Brother Wayne? Makes you want to get up and leave. He's walking out of church. <laughs> go to this side of the auditorium. You can become one of the elect. Uh, so... That's not how God works. What does the Bible say? Well, the verse we first memorized is, children, for God so loved the elect, right? Is that what it says? Oh, no, no, no. For God so loved the world of the elect that he gave his only begotten son. Is that what it says? No, it says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Uh, and, and I know people and I have friends that believe this way. Uh, and to me, it's discouraging to go out and to soul win to someone. I'm going to go waste my time knocking on people's doors because by their belief, by their own admission, they would say, listen, if the person's going to get saved, they're going to get saved no matter what. So why should I have to go out and knock on their door? God's going to lead them to Christ. Man, how can we sing the children's song, Jesus loves the little children, all the little children of the world? He doesn't, does he? He only loves the elect children of the world. Now, that's not a God that I serve. That's not the God that I serve. I hope it's not the God that you serve. I serve a God that loved the entire world and sent his son and desires for everybody in the entire world to come to know him as their savior. Now, not everybody will. Not everybody will come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, but they all have the opportunity and they all have the, they can if they want to. They are not doomed from the beginning of all time to not be in heaven. So we get scared of this, but there's no need to be scared. Uh, we are chosen. It means to pick out or to choose from oneself. Uh, and so read with me, according as he has chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. And it goes into the next one as well, number two. Uh, but let's stay here for just a second. He, he's chosen us. When we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, we become Jesus' chosen people and that we should live holy and without blame before him in love. That's what we've been chosen to. When we get saved and we accept Jesus Christ as our Savior, we become God's chosen uh, and before the foundation of the world, before anything was ever created, and we should live holy, a set-apart life uh, for a special purpose. If you are a Christian here, Christ has a special purpose for your life, and that should be exciting to you. Do I know what that purpose is? No. Uh, there's been times in my life where I haven't known what God's purpose is for me, uh, where I haven't known the next step, but I know that every day I'm supposed to live in light of his word and live serving him and be faithful to church and be faithful in the word of God and be faithful in telling others about him. We should live holy, set apart lives. But what's that next word? And without blame. 
free from condemnation. That's a hard life to live. Free from blame. Blameless, we would say. Because there's so many times that we can do things that are right that might appear wrong. I'll give you an example. Uh, there was a drink uh, that when I was a kid that I used to like to drink. Uh, and we would go on bus visitation Saturday afternoons. Four o'clock, uh, we would head out. And the first stop we would make, because we're Baptists, okay, would be 7-Eleven to get their taquitos, a Slurpee, and a drink. You had to get all three. You would eat the taquito, drink your Slurpee, and then when that was gone, because it's not good after it's melted, okay? Uh, and if you've never had a Slurpee, it's like a slushy, but better, believe it or not. You need to go try a Slurpee if you've never had a 7-Eleven. If you're driving up north somewhere or out west or wherever 7-Elevens are here, you've got to try a Slurpee. Uh, but you have to drink that first because once it melts, it's no good. Uh, and then we would have a drink. Well, the drink that I liked came in a glass bottle. And it was not alcoholic. Listen, I was 13 years old, okay? Uh, there was nothing wrong with it, but it came in a glass bottle. Uh, and it looked kind of like it could have been an alcoholic beverage. It was probably made that way on purpose. I don't know, but it was pop. It was soda, okay? Uh, that's what it was. And so I used to drink it. And I remember driving down the road one day. I wasn't driving. I was 13, okay? I was riding in the back of the vehicle with the window down. And one of those bus kids looked and said, look at Daniel. He's drinking beer. That made me say I was only 13 years old. I'm like, no, 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 no. Don't tell my dad that because I'll be in big trouble when I get home. This is not. It is soda, okay? Trust me, read the bottle. That's what it is. Uh, but in that moment, I realized, you know what? Probably getting that on bus visitation and riding around with it in the car is not the best way. It, it's not living a blameless life. It could cause somebody else uh, maybe to not come to church because they saw the pastor's son out drinking beer on bus visitation, Okay. Uh, the driver of the car was drinking it too, so we were in big trouble if that's what it was. Uh, but we decided, uh, that was interesting, that uh, we weren't living a blameless life. It wasn't anything bad, it wasn't anything wrong, but we need to be careful to live blameless, without blame, holy, set apart, but that ends without blame before him in love. He's chosen us in love. Look over at Ephesians chapter 5 with me, just a couple pages over. Ephesians chapter number 5 and verse number 1, the Bible says, Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children, and walk in love, as Christ also hath loved us, and hath given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. Christ loved us so much he sent his son to die on the cross for us. We need to walk in love just as Christ loved us. We need to love others just as Christ loved us. Uh, even those we don't agree with. We're in an election season. I hate election time. Why? Because everybody's mad at everybody, and everybody, you can't watch TV. I'm glad I, we don't have live TV at our house. We watch all recorded uh, stuff, and so we don't have live TV, so I don't have to watch the political ads. I haven't watched one political ad until I went to my mother-in-law's house, and it was an ad against somebody named Terry in North Carolina, and it talked about how evil Terry was the entire time. And I tried to find the commercial to send it to you, Terry, but I couldn't find it. If I ever find it, I will, I will send it to you. But it was about how evil Terry was. And I sat there and listened to it and go, I am so glad I haven't had to listen to this for the last however long, probably year that it started going on. Uh, but can I tell you that uh, the people that are on the other side of the political aisle from you, they're not your enemies. The people who are, uh, that don't believe like us, the churches that don't believe like us, the people that don't, they're not our enemies. What does the Bible say in Ephesians chapter 6? For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. 
But can I tell you, the prince of the power of the air, Satan walketh about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. And that's where our battle lies. It's a spiritual battle. And can I tell you, that's evidence when, evident when we look at politics and we look at the laws that are passed, the laws that harm unborn children. And we look at that, and it is sad, and it is, and it is heartbreaking. But can I tell you that our, our enemies are not them, but it is, the, uh, it is Satan himself and the ones that work for him. It is a spiritual battle that we need to fight. We need to walk in love. Christ loved us. He loved us so much that he chose us. But number two, we need to look. We are chosen. Not only are we chosen, but we are predestinated. This is another word that Calvinists love. All right, they'll look up the word predestinated. Uh, and basically, if you look at the definition of predestinated, it means this. Let me flip my notes. Predestinated uh, means to predetermine or decide beforehand. So predetermined beforehand. And so they would tell you, they'll look at scriptures and say, we are predestined unto salvation. But I've never found that in the Bible. I've seen where we are predestinated unto good works once we're saved. Let's look here in Ephesians and see how it's used. Ephesians chapter 1, verse number 5, the Bible says, having predestinated us unto salvation, is that what it says? Unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself. So think with me here. Here's what happens. A person comes, they hear the gospel. They accept Jesus Christ as their Savior. They are saved. And at that same moment that they are saved, they become adopted into the family of God. If you get saved, you're predestined to be adopted. If you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, you then become adopted. And that's what this passage is talking about. It's not talking about salvation, but it says when you get saved, you become adopted. You become a child of God. And when you stop and think about that, we say that all the time. Uh, I'm a child of God. But we don't stop and think of the heaviness of that statement. You think about a child that's fatherless and motherless in this world. And when a person comes in, whether through the foster care system or a different way, uh, and comes and takes them into their family and adopts them. I love seeing those adoption day pictures where they're in a courtroom. Uh, and a lot of times now, you know, they've got these cool signs or all have matching shirts that they've made. Uh, and it said uh, adoption day or got you day, as I've seen before. And how excited that little child is because they've gone from having no mother and no father and they are adopted and they belong to a family. People, people long to belong somewhere. They long to belong, whether it's to a club. Uh, in college, it was to a fraternity. Uh, and as adults, we long to belong somewhere. Can I tell you, that's why I love Bible Baptist Church. Because the first Sunday we walked in, uh, we had never met any of you. And we came down here and we sat right here in the third row, third or fourth row, probably the fourth row, where Miss Wagner's sitting. Uh, we sat by Miss Wagner, uh, and then there was a couple that sat down next to us and just talked to us and made us feel right at home. Uh, little did we know it was their first week visiting as well, and it was Myron and Marsha Copenhaver. Uh, and we just thought that they had been here forever. They made us feel welcome. Uh, and then Priscilla ran up and gave us a hug, and I'm like, whoa, who are you? <laughs> she goes, it is so good to have you here. Any friend of the Wagners is a friend of mine. And so, and she was, I mean, all of you guys just made us feel welcome. We felt at home our first week here. Uh, and then when we got to come back and visit, and you guys remembered us, and you remembered my family, and I felt like I belonged. And can I tell you, people long for that feeling. They want to belong somewhere. They're searching. Uh, and you see an unsaved person, and they're searching for something. They're searching to belong, to fill that hole in their heart, that longing. And can I tell you, it can only be filled by Christ Jesus, by the word of God, and when they are adopted into the family of God. 
And then that longing is fulfilled. And it's amazing. Uh, so we're predestined. We see we're predestinated not unto salvation, but unto us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. Why did he do it? Because it was his pleasure to do it. It was the good pleasure of his will that he decided, not only am I going to save them from hell, which would have been enough, but I'm also going to adopt them into my family and they will be mine and I will be their heavenly father and I will provide for them and I will be with them and I will never leave them and I will never forsake them. And how amazing that is. But continue reading on me verse, with me at verse number six. It says, to the praise of the glory of, I, of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved. We're accepted in the beloved. What an amazing thought that is. What does it mean to be accepted, to be highly favored, to pursue after, to honor? We are accepted by Christ Jesus. Uh, the Greek word that's used here is and I'm not going to be able to pronounce it, karateo, I think is how it's pronounced. Uh, and if you're a Greek scholar, you can come and tell me how to afterwards. But it's used another time in the Bible. Uh, and it's used when they're talking about the Virgin Mary in Luke chapter 1, verse 28, and there it's translated highly favored. We're, highly, we're accepted. We are highly favored in God's eyes. What an amazing thought that is. And, and so we've only looked at three things tonight. We have only looked at three. We've seen that not only are we chosen but we're predestinated unto adoption, so we're adopted. We're chosen, we're adopted, and we are accepted by God. What are we accepted? And we're accepted in the beloved, it says, to the praise of the glory of his grace. Aren't you thankful for the grace of God? I sure am. Because were it not for the grace of God, if you've ever heard that song for, were it not for grace, I can't tell you what, where I would be right now, what, what kind of life I would be living but I can tell you one thing's for sure, I would be hopeless. This year has been a rough year. It's been rough economically. It's been rough emotionally. You look at the, the amounts of suicides that have happened and people that are on antidepressants now, and they are sky high because it has been a, a rough year. And can I tell you, I can't imagine were it not for the grace of God and Him working in my life where I would be right now in 2020 even. But can I tell you, I'm thankful that I am accepted by God, accepted in the beloved through his grace, wherein he hath made us. Except, you know, Christ didn't have to show his grace to us. I've let God down over and over again, yet God chose me and had grace towards me. Gave me something that I didn't deserve, a home in heaven one day with him. Isn't God good? It's easy to get discouraged. It's easy to get downhearted and to watch things and to, to watch the news and to read things and to, to look at everything and to get discouraged. But can I tell you that we are rich through Christ. We have the riches of glory in Christ Jesus, and we can live that way. Or you can live a defeated life, a discouraged life, and not tap into the riches of God's mercy and not tap into any of that. But can I tell you, it's so much better to live a life in Christ. It's so much better to live and take advantage of those riches. Christ has adopted you. He's given it to you. You just have to take it. He's chosen us. He's with us. He's predestinated us unto adoption. And lastly, he's accepted us. Now, there's so much more, and we're going to continue on. We don't have time for everything tonight. Uh, there's so much more in this passage of Scripture that we could go into. And we're going to look at verse number 7 next time. Uh, in whom we have redemption. 
through his blood. And then he also talks about giving us the earnest of the inheritance, the Holy Spirit that he has given to us. And so many different things in the book of Ephesians I love for this reason. This first chapter especially is so encouraging to me. No matter how rough life gets, God is good all the time. All the time. Let's pray.